I just want to say welcome to everybody who's watching online. We are one church today in many places this morning. And on behalf of our leadership, I just want to say thanks for making time to gather as a family for communion uh, and to hear a message uh, from God's Word. Let's get started. I want you to try and remember this morning uh, what it felt like when you were in elementary school or maybe junior high and you just wanted to fit in. Uh, for some of you, that's pretty recent. Others of you, not so much. But can you remember doing something and trying to fit in that right now really is embarrassing? Uh, maybe you got a haircut in a style that really didn't fit your style, but everybody else was wearing it and so you tried it. Uh, maybe you wore some clothes that you didn't really like, didn't really fit your style, but the crowd was wearing it and so you, you dove in. Anybody here say leisure suit? Well, all of us have done things, I think, to express ourselves while trying to fit in that we regret now. Well, this week I saw a video of some boys who were dabbing. It's a little dance move that the kids do and even the adults do. Um, they've got these kids on this video who are doing a little dabbing and their teachers uh, recording it and we're going to roll that. <laughs> the kids are good at it and the teachers praising them. They've got their own style. They're adding their own little flair to this. Uh, this guy's going to do this a little twice to kind of hang on. And then we come to this guy. Oh, <laughs> it's just painful to watch. Every now and then, we find ourselves uh, doing things the crowd's doing, uh, participating in some things that the crowd's participating in that just doesn't fit us well. And I just want to say, that's where I feel like with this COVID-19 stuff. It's left me feeling like I'm, I'm unsure what to do with my hands. Um, my hands are probably as clean as they ever have been in my life. How about you? I'm being asked to conduct my life in ways I don't feel comfortable with. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to fit my life into decisions that are being made for the masses. I'm trying to be as safe as possible. I'm trying to be as wise as possible. I'm trying to be as real as possible. And doing all that at the same time seems pretty impossible. Uh, it seems surreal to say the least. And I'm not liking it very much. So let's just be honest. There is a wide variety of responses to this coronavirus crisis. On one end of the spectrum are those who are extremely concerned about the potential impact of COVID-19 spreading. On the other end of the spectrum are those who are absolutely baffled by all these precautions and all these actions that are being taken, and they're wondering, what in the world's all this hysteria about? Well, most of us fall somewhere in between. And this has been kind of the perfect storm, I think. Tensions politically have never been higher due to the divisiveness of an election year, uh, the threat of a worldwide pandemic, uh, a dipping stock market which impacts so many retirees. All of that combines to create this perfect storm, and it is generating huge amounts of fear. Well, your elders believe that God has placed leaders in government to help direct us in what's needed most in regards to public health. And unless that violates any God-given mandate in our lives, we're going to do our best to try to comply and submit to their authority. And so because of the restrictions of public gatherings, minimally this week and next week, we're not going to be meeting at the building for classes, not going to be meeting for worship. We're going to be coming to you online as best as we can and as often as we can. Now, we're monitoring this on a day-by-day -day basis, but um, we're making decisions in kind of two-week chunks, two-week increments. So for two weeks, we're not going to be meeting at the building or having classes. And on April 1st, your leaders are going to gather together and assess where things stand and make a decision for the next two-week increment. As always, we're going to try our best to keep you updated through the KCC notes, so please pay attention to that. And if you have any questions, call our office. It's going to be open Monday through Friday from 9 to 4, uh, and on Friday till about noon and uh, most of you are aware of that schedule anyway. In the meantime, 
Our focus has to be not on what's going on in the world. It has to be on the one who created the world. Our focus is on God and what he has to say to us through his word. And he's got something he'd like to say. Here's something he'd like to say in Psalms chapter 112, verses 6 through 8. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure, and they will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. And what an encouraging passage in the face of an outside threat, I think, to all of our lives. And that is where I think all of us want to land on the faith meter, isn't it? I want to be a Psalms 112 believer. But fear can intimidate Psalms 112 out of me. And so can his sidekicks, what if, and hypothetical. They love to team up to try and steal my peace and my joy. How about you? So let's call each other to a higher faith, to living with God in our focus over this fear-killing virus. Let's call each other to faith in our spiritual leaders to hear from God and do what's best for our KCC family. How do we do that? Well, I want to suggest three things. First of all is this. We can all offer prayers for each other. Prayer is never our last resort. It's always our first response to the troublesome and to the panic. A consistent theme in all of Scripture is that God desires to talk to His people at all times, but especially during trying times, especially during tragic times. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14, is just one of those times. And God says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will bring healing to their land. That is a timeless encouragement from God. And so is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, I urge you first, pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Pray for the way kings and all who are in authority govern so that we can be a peaceful and live quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good. And it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Man, I needed to hear those words. Any situation, Paul says to Timothy, that, that is a handful to handle, God says, you need my hands on it. So talk to me about it. Example, not having assemblies was not on our calendar as a church, but apparently it was on God's. And so we're adjusting. Schools being closed and parents needing help with their kids while they try to eke out a living. That wasn't on their radar. And so they're adjusting. It's been a handful for them. So God's asking us to talk to him about it. We need to pray for our leaders at every level, national, state, local, congregational. We need to pray for doctors and nurses, those in research personnel, and obviously pray for those who are sick. And can I just say in regards to the leadership of this church, let me ask for all of you to be in prayer for us um, and to extend some grace to us. This is the first time we've ever had to deal with a global pandemic. First time for our staff, first time for our shepherds. And so we need your prayers for God's strength and we need your grace for our weaknesses because both um, are just over, overwhelming us. Here's our hope. On the other side of this crisis, we hope to look back and say, wow, I never could have anticipated this bringing us as close like it did. I never could have anticipated opening more door for us, but it has. I've never had more people talk to me more about Jesus than now. But that's only gonna happen, listen to me, through prayer. I know all of us are suffering on some level. For some, it's a little discouragement and a little disruption to your life. For others, it is major. For others, it is major frustration, major disappointment. 
Cherished plans have been altered. Income has been lost. Retirement funds have, have taken it right on the chin. But God would say, please, don't give in to a defeatist attitude. Talk to me about it. And we do that through prayer. Yes, wash your hands. But even more so, lift those hands, fold those hands, whatever you do, however you pray to the Father, and ask Him to lead us through this. Amazingly, technology has been made available to us to keep us praying together even when we can't be together, to keep us meeting together through Bible study even when we can't be in the same room. Uh, services like Zoom and FaceTime uh, enable us to enjoy being a church body together at the same time when we can't be there in the same proximity. I hope we look back on these days and remember some of the creative ways that we got together and, and smile at how we were able to pray through and study through this incredible virus. Number two, we can offer prayers for each other, but we can also offer our trust to our Father. Why? Because He's trustworthy. So lean into His promises. Promises like Romans 8.31, if God is for me, who could stand against me? Promises like Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Promises like Isaiah 40, verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Promises like James 1 and verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom in trying to figure out what to do with school and what to do with your investment, if any of you lacks wisdom for anything, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given you. I know what seems chaotic just is chaotic. It's troublesome and it's difficult, but listen to me, it is never outside the control of God. All throughout world history, in our own personal history, there has been circumstances that have appeared to be totally out of control, but not one of them has ever occurred with God standing outside them. Not one. Our great God has been in it and with it through us all and has never wavered once in the promise that He can do all things, that He can work all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. He will keep perfect peace for those who trust Him. That's a promise that you can lead into. How can we be sure? Because Scripture after Scripture is just one story after another story of God's forever people overcoming momentarily overwhelming circumstances. How? Because they trusted God to get them through. Here's a couple examples. God said to Abram, leave everything that's familiar to you, your home, your family, your workplace, and go with your wife, Sarah, to a place that I will lead you. Even though you're both past the age of becoming parents, I'll make you parents. And you will give birth to a son in whom I'll build a great nation. Now, I know it's not going to be easy, but it will be worth it, Abraham. Will you trust me? And Abraham said, yes. God lit a fire in front of Moses, and he said to him that he'd been selected to meet with the most powerful man on the planet, Pharaoh, and to tell him to let his people go. This was the next step in establishing a community of believers that would be the hope of the world. God told Moses, you may feel unqualified, you may feel incapable of going, but I will make you able. Will you trust me? And after some coaxing, Moses said, yes, I'll trust you. God said to Daniel, the king has made an edict for you to stop praying. And I want you to defy his command and I want you to talk to me daily. I want you to talk to me daily. Will you do that? Will you trust me to keep you alive even when it looks like certain death? And Daniel said, yes, I'll trust you. He says to David, I know that everybody else is paralyzed with fear by this Philistine giant, but will you champion Israel's God? Will you trust me to defeat this warrior just as together we have defeated bears and mountain lions? Not because of your might, not because of your strength, but because of my spirit, says the Lord. Will you trust me, David? And David said, yes. Well, Jesus said to a rich young ruler, 
I want you to leave behind your extraordinary riches. And I want you to give them to the poor and bless them. I want you to enter into an extraordinary relationship with me. And you will experience extraordinary wealth that is out of this world. It will be an adventure of a lifetime. But it's going to require that you trust me over your money. Will you trust me? And the rich young ruler said, I can't. Guess which one of these men in scripture has the word sad attached to it? Friend, in due time, joy will come to those who trust in the Lord. There's not one story in one scripture, in one aspect of the Bible, where someone trusted the outlandish requests of God and saw it through to completion who regretted their faith. Not one. Because God can be trusted. I love the story that Casey Jones tells during his tenure as a coach for the Boston Celtics. They were competing against their nemesis, the Lakers. Coach Jones was diagramming a play in the huddle. It was on the sideline during the final seconds of the game. And Larry Bird, their future Hall of Famer, would and who would also wind up the MVP of this series, interrupts Coach Jones and says, Coach, just give me the ball and tell everybody else to get out of the way. Coach Jones responded, listen, Bird, I'm coach. You're the player. You do your best to run the plays. I'll do my best to call them. Then Coach Jones turned to his players and he said, here's what we're going to do, guys. Get Larry the ball and everybody else get out of the way. There are times when you put the game in the hands of your MVP and you just get out of his way. That's why David's saying this. The Lord is my light and he is my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? Oh, sister, we can enjoy that same confidence when we trust God's ability over our own. And God comes with quite the resume, doesn't he? Hasn't he proven over and over that he's at his best during crunch time? When life's on the line, not just some game? And so I'm asking you, will you trust him? I hope you just said yes. Because remember how he led us through 9-11? Remember how he led us through the Oklahoma City bombings? and Columbine, and tornadoes, and hurricanes, and floods, and the Ebola virus. The same will hold true for the coronavirus. I needed this week the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, where he assures our hearts with these words. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? Not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to me than a whole flock of sparrows. That almost goes without saying. But I needed to hear that. Jesus shared then with some followers who were concerned about their future, those words, and he's sharing today with some followers today who are unsure about their future now. Let me be your MVP, Jesus is asking. Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything you need will be added to you. So how do we respond in this time of crisis? Three ways. Number one, we offer each other our prayers. We offer our God, our trust. And number three, we offer our neighbor hope and peace. My nanny used to say, you can't squeeze blood out of a turnip. No, you can't. And you can't squeeze hope and peace out of a culture that's godless. But you can, Jesus. You can from a man who predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off. In him, you can find hope and peace. And I want you to hear this. Through him, you can offer hope and peace. Church, I'm asking you, please don't see this crisis as an obstacle. Please see it as an opportunity. An opportunity to build a bridge of love through service into the lives of those around you you've been so desperately wanting to share Jesus with and the opportunity just hasn't arisen. Well, it has. Jesus is the Prince of Peace and the hope of the entire world. And through you, he can offer it to people who need it desperately. And church, I want to end by saying, until he reigns in the hearts and minds of every person in the world, they are susceptible to the most deadly virus ever. Sin. 
Sin is the greatest pandemic that's ever struck our world. And sadly, so many have learned to live with it. And if you notice, it's killing them. It's killing their marriages. It's killing their finances. It's killing their bodies. It's killing them. This is our platinum opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus, which, remember, always includes sacrifice. Always. It did for Jesus and it will for you. So I don't want to romanticize this. Serving others in the midst of panic and paranoia with the very real threat of you becoming sick as well, that's never going to be easy. But taking up your cross and offering people hope in the midst of hopelessness, it'll make a difference. Jimmy, are you sure? Well, it did 2,000 years ago. And the one who got on that and survived it is saying, if you'll get on yours, you'll survive this one too. And it will make a difference. So let me encourage you. Spend less time watching the news and be good news for someone. Spend less time looking at your investments and be an investment in someone else's life. I know that's hard. I have 401ks and IRAs that have taken it on the chin. But remember, as we talk about in our first Money, Money Talk series, it's when we're under pressure that the treasure of our hearts are revealed. And if in the last days they have revealed a treasure that's anything but Jesus, I'm asking you simply this. Repent. Change. The Hebrew writer says, fix your eyes back on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and he will show you joy, joy that can be yours even facing a cross. Brother, please remember Peter. Didn't he teach us as clearly as anybody that an extraordinary life is focus-driven? In Matthew chapter 14, the apostle records that the bold one stepped out of a boat and walked on water through a storm to his master until... Peter took his eyes off the Savior and put him on the storm. He quit looking at the answer, the one that was enabling him to walk, and he filled his eyes with the problems surrounding him, and he sank like a rock. Fear will do that. It'll take you down. But faith will make you stand, Peter teaches us. And it will help not only you stand, but it'll help others in this difficult time to stand as well. I'm going to close with this. We face a global storm with the coronavirus, and our minds will be where the battle is won or lost. Remember, our minds are the traffic, air, air traffic control of our bodies. We get to decide with them which thoughts get to land on the runway of our hearts and which ones are denied access. I can't keep fear from flying over, but I can prevent it from landing and certainly prevent it from unloading its cargo of self-centeredness and suspicion and greed. Please, please, you remember the peace talks? Follow the verse we committed to memory. Rejoice in the Lord always even when there's no toilet paper on the shelves. Rejoice in the Lord always when you're quarantined to your homes. Rejoice in the Lord always, even when I know I may not be able to replace the investments I've lost or the income that the restaurant closing has cost me. I want to say it again, Paul says, rejoice. And let your gentleness be evident to everyone who's watching because the Lord's near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Last Friday, I caught what so far looks like just a cold. And for the last two days, thoughts have just invaded me like, great, I could be Kerrville's first COVID case that was documented. Great, this is when Tabitha's about to have our second grandbaby. Those and other thoughts flooded my mind that I had to stop and say, wait a minute. God has this. Heal this, please, God, so that we can help others get through this. Heal this, please, so that it gives me time to be able to work through with others this incredible, difficult, wonderful moment of opportunity for you to reach into people's lives who are far from God. Spirit, please help me be gentle, not be so grumpy. 
I'm encouraging you to fix your eyes on the MVP of the universe and not be afraid. And I'm going to do that through a story. We'll end with this. I love the old Disney movie, The Bear. It didn't win any Oscars. It didn't do all that well at the box office. Its plot was fairly predictable. But for those who love a great outdoor adventure, it's worth a red box rental. In the movie's beginning, a small bear loses his mother. And it's left to face the wild alone with this tiny cub in your first thought when you see him and his chances of survival are slim to none. But something extraordinary happens. This little cub gets adopted by this huge male Kodiak, this huge grizzly, and this giant papa bear is always watching over the cub all throughout the movie. He protects him from the mountain lion that's stalking him. He teaches him how to survive on berries and to stab salmon that are fishing upstream during the spawn. He teaches him how to be intimidating and stand up on his legs and roar. He teaches him how to scratch his back on a tree. He is the epitome of a great dad. And when you see this mentoring going on, you see it happening between this huge Kodiak and this small cub. There's hope that builds in your heart. Everything's going to be okay. But then one day when the big bear is nowhere to be found, the mountain lion, who has not forgotten the little bear, finds him. And he finds him playing alone by a stream, and he sees his opportunity for an easy meal. And the club flees, and there's this intense chase that ensues until finally the cat has him right up against the waterfall, has him boxed in exactly where he wants him. And all the little bear can do is stand there and do what his papa taught him to do, and that stand up on his two hind legs and growl as loud as he can, which just barely ekes out. The big cat is in no way faced. He's not convinced. And both the cub and the cat know what's about to happen. He's about to die. The cat draws blood with a few swipes of the cub's face and he tries to dodge him. And it's about to pounce on him and finish him when all of a sudden the camera lens shifts and it zooms in on the cat's face and there's this abject look of fear. The big cat stops snarling and he starts to retreat and the camera pans back on the little bear and he's as surprised as we are. The little bear is thinking his ferocious roar has scared the cat off. But when the camera widens, we see that behind little bear was what he didn't know was there. Big bear. Huge grizzly standing up on his hind legs, never having said a roar, nothing. But we quickly learn that the little bear had nothing to do with the cat running off. And he had nothing to worry about. He's thinking he frightened the cat off. We know better. Because we understand what the little cub could not have known. That he was never alone. He couldn't see his father. He couldn't hear his father. But his father was still there all the same. And that's the image I want to leave with you this weekend. And whatever comes with this coronavirus this week, I hope this is just a small glimpse of what God wants us to know in these trying times. When once again, there is a lion in front of us in the form of a virus seeking someone whom he might devour. Don't let him devour you. There is nothing in all of creation that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, Paul tries to say. Not stock markets, not cancer, not the unknown viruses, nothing that is above the earth, nothing that's below the earth, nothing that's on the earth can separate us from the love of our great God. So, I just want to end by saying this. The dance is on, and God's inviting us to bust a move with Him. Will you trust Him? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning, and um, we're just going to be honest. We're not very, very good at dancing. Not in the midst of a tragedy, not in, not in the midst of things that have us worried about our health, or our children's health, or our parents' health. This has caught us a little off guard, so we're not getting the rhythm here of how to do this. I know that's why you sent your spirit, because we can't. Uh, you can't mandate this. You can't give us a rule and a reg that leads us through this. Only you can. And so we're asking for your help. We, we believe the promises that we read this morning. We believe in you, even bigger than those promises. 
So please lead us through this um, incredibly difficult time. So much still to come that we, we don't know, but you do. And we trust that you not only know, uh, but you have the strength and the wisdom to lead us through to get to a place where we not only feel peace, not, where we not only feel uh, your love, but we can extend that peace and extend that love to those literally around the globe, starting right here in Kerrville. Please help us. We ask it in Christ's name.